Here comes Schofield. Oh! Oh! Nastiness. Wait a second. Driving left, dunking right over Love. All right. Who can do it? Well, I, I do like length. That's what she said. He's got everything going early on. Again. Schofield, the theft. And look at the Good morning, afternoon, evening, brunch time, lunch time. Really, really cold day in Knoxville, Tennessee time. Really hot basketball in Knoxville, Tennessee time, but only on the men's side in Tennessee time. Whatever time of day it is, it's the right time for the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. Wes Rucker, Grant Ramey coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio here on a chilly, brisk Tuesday afternoon in Knoxville. Probably going to drop this one to you on a Wednesday morning, perhaps a Tuesday afternoon, more than likely a Wednesday morning as we are prepared to, uh, Grant and I, to get on the road and travel down Interstate 40 to go to Nashville, Tennessee, the capital of the Volunteer State where Tennessee will play at Vanderbilt in a uh, evening game. What is it, a 9 p.m.? 7, 7 p.m. Don't, don't curse it with a 9 p.m. jinx. 7 p.m. Eastern tip-off. 6, 6 p.m. Central time. So I'm Six, sure the crowd will be great Yeah, early in the game, even though it's sold out. Probably about 60, 40 Tennessee fans, I am guessing. But the reason, Grant, why so many people are so excited about this Tennessee basketball team, well, they were excited before. But now they're definitely excited because this is the number one ranked team in the country. Tennessee survived Alabama 71-68 on Saturday in the Tommy Bowl, despite playing what I think was probably its worst performance of the season, probably. Uh, at least certainly in the second half was the the, the worst it had played in, in a couple of years, uh, in my opinion. It was, it was pretty rough. But Tennessee found a way to survive 71-68, and that coupled with Michigan's loss at Wisconsin and then Duke beating Virginia at Duke combined or coupled with Duke's loss to unranked Syracuse in Durham earlier in the week. Now on Tennessee, Big Monday. Big Monday. Not such a big Monday for Duke. Now yeah. it is a, uh, a big, big day for Tennessee because, Grant, just for the second time in program history, Tennessee is ranked number one nationally. And the last time Tennessee was ranked number one, it went to Nashville, Tennessee, played Vanderbilt, and lost. So history. Full circle. So it's like uh, it's like fake Ron said on Parks and Recreation, right? Is is your uh, when Sam Elliott said, depends on your definition of time. Is it circular or linear? If if you believe time is a circle, then Tennessee is repeating history by going to Vanderbilt to play as the number one ranked team in the country. Should say that this Vanderbilt team is uh, not what that Vanderbilt team was. This Vanderbilt team, first off, does not have a Shane Foster to sit there and reign three after three on Tennessee, and uh, this Vanderbilt team also is playing without its best player, Darius Garland, uh, a really, really talented point guard from Nashville, a kid who uh, probably will be a first-round NBA draft pick, but he is out for the season with an injury. Uh, you've still got uh, Simi Shitu. You've still got some some good players there at Vanderbilt. but uh, Saban Lee. Yeah, you know, Saban Lee, uh, who is the reason why that Vanderbilt team uh, has a – an O for record in the SEC because of his really stupid technical foul. That, uh, that Vanderbilt team in 08 was ranked number 14, and I think this one might be ranked number 14 uh, in the SEC. 
Yeah. So a slight, slight difference there, but, um, you know, it, it's crazy cause you know, uh, Drew there has done a really nice job recruiting, but, uh, for whatever reason, things have come together. First season got to the tournament, did a nice job, but, uh, since then they've been, uh, exposed a little bit. They've been recruiting at a high level, but doing, uh, not the playing of basketball at a high level. Uh, we'll talk about Vanderbilt and that matchup a little bit later, but first we have to get to the big news, and that is that Tennessee is ranked number one in the country. Grant, we said going into the season, I think you and I had slightly differing opinions. I think, you know, going into it, I thought this was definitely a top five team. You said definitely what a top ten team. And My opinion we'll was more of the wrong variety. No, not so wrong. Far. So, so far. far. So far. It's not. It, the season's not over, but the point is – both of us thought this team would be good slash really good. Um, I thought it could be great. I think you thought it could be great, but you were kind of improve it to me mold, which if you've been covering Tennessee right. for as long as we have is probably the the right mindset to have. It's but, the safe play. Yeah, it is. And and now you've got a situation where uh, a Tennessee team, it's again, it's it's just, you know, it's January, which means it's not November or December, but it's not February or March either. It's right there in the middle of the season. And this team has – I think met every reasonable expectation to this point, if not slightly outperformed it. Right now, it is sixteen and one. It is five and zero oh in the Southeastern Conference. And what we learned Saturday was that this team could win ugly. But before we talk about that game, let's talk about just the season in general. Grant, th- this team, where is it compared to where you thought it might be? What what do you like? What is still a concern to you? I thought uh, the reason I kind of wanted to hedge closer to it being a top 10 team and maybe not a top five team entering this season is because I thought it would be uh, the same version of last year's team, just a little bit better, a year older, a year more experienced, uh, you're tougher, you know, all that stuff. But they're not really the same team. They are, I never expected them to be. Uh, the offensive numbers they've put up and we're past the halfway point of the season right now is insane. I never expected them to operate this Highly this efficiently um, on the offensive end. I think that's a credit to Jordan Bone. I don't think this team is anywhere close to where it is right now if, if Jordan Bone's not the guy. Absolutely. Running the point. I mean, he he has a five. Uh, his assist to turnover ratio in SEC plays an even five. Uh, 30 assists, I think six turnovers in five games. And that's, that's not only first in the SEC, that's almost double. I think second place, I can't remember who it is, is 2.7. And there's some good point, point guards in this league. Right, and and – and Bone's a guy from the day he first stepped on campus. Rick Barnes said this this guy's uh, has maybe the most potential as any, anybody on the floor. I mean, that's really seriously what he pointed him out to me and talked about his first day of practice. Rick Barnes did was how much potential Jordan Bone had, how fast he was, fastest point guard he's ever coached, all that stuff. But the way he's developed into all that stuff that's been talked about, I think that's the reason this team is what it is. And if I had known going into the season that they're going to be this good offensively. I would have thought, yeah, they're probably a top three team for a lot of the season, but that wasn't the case. And but but here they are. I thought Saturday we talked about how often had we talked about waiting to see a bad day for this team. Saturday was a bad day for this team. Bad day. Really good job finding a way to win. And like Rick Barnes said at his press conference uh, Tuesday, it did feel a lot like that Georgia game last year, uh, the regular season finale uh, when they won the SEC, clinched the SEC share of the SEC title at home. A lot of intensity in that building, uh, intensity in that game, a, a upset bid that just kind of never went away, and you just kind of have to find a way to win late. And credit them for doing that. Uh, they found a way to win the game. They found a way to take care of business and, and get to that number one spot. 
when everybody else around them had kind of slipped up that week. Uh, but man, this is a this is a, this is a lot better team, obviously, than I expected. If you had told me going into the season that, that Lamonte Turner would miss nine games uh, of the first fifteen, I guess uh, if that, if that's what it was, I think I think that's about what it was. Uh, if or or yeah, six, yeah, he nine, missed but, he missed three, he played three, and then I believe he missed six. So yeah, if you had told me that going into the season, I would have not said that Tennessee would be. 16-1 and one at this point. I would have thought maybe more, you know, along the lines of two or three losses by this point. But uh, – and that's a testament to, to Jordan Bone and the way he has performed this season. I think – I don't know that, that – I mean, I'm sure there will be other guys up for this award as the season progresses and, and we'll go look through it. And I'm sure there are some guys out there who I'm just – who are eluding me who are who have just been fantastic. But I think if you're giving a most improved SEC player award – uh, I think Jordan Bone has to be in that discussion. I think he has taken what was a good team and made it a great team, and uh, I think that's a credit to him. Uh, but I, I think getting back to that game against Alabama, you know, there, I'm probably going to butcher this old saying, but that old saying is something like, you know, good teams win when they play good, great teams win when they play bad. And when if you're going to play 40 games or whatever that, that it is Tennessee wants to play this season, you're going to have – at least three or four games where you're just not very good. And maybe one of those games occurred in one of the non-conference games, but the the talent difference was so much that it didn't matter. But uh, in terms of playing at least a reasonably quality, reasonably talented, reasonably solid opponent, and Alabama could be a fringe NCAA tournament team if it can figure out a way to turn all those close losses into uh, better into wins. They're number 54 in the Ken Palm, so they're, yeah. they're in the mix. They're, they're right there, and, and they've had three just gut-punching losses this season. But that team is there. Point being, I, I think that is, to me, I don't want to say as impressive a win as Tennessee's had all season, because Tennessee has played a lot better, certainly. I mean, Gonzaga, you know, come back in that game, performed great. You know, there have been some games where the first two games in SEC play where they played, I think, truly borderline great basketball games. But to win in that situation, you know, it's like it's like being a baseball pitcher. You can't just have one pitch. You, you, have, to, you have to be able to win. Because if you're going to play six NCAA tournament games, you know, and you want to win the whole thing, you're going to have at least one, if not two, games where just things don't go right. The other team is good, and it's making shots. You get some guys in foul trouble. Uh, you get a couple of tough calls that don't go your way, a couple of just blatantly missed calls. That stuff is going to happen. And if you want to win a championship, you have to, you have to at least survive, if not thrive, in those moments. And for a team that I think we're all being honest here, after that Kansas game, a couple of those guys were immature. They did not quite handle that. The buildup to that game was mm-hmm. put up so much in their head, and then afterwards a couple of them were skittish about talking. You know, they – they for a team that's some mature kids, that was a just kind of a rare blip in, in, in the maturity department. So when things started going against that team in such a manner that they did at home – a sold-out crowd is getting quieter and quieter. They're trying to cheer you on, but Alabama keeps making shots and making plays, and you keep missing opportunities. There was a lot of anxiety in that building for the first time all season. And it just kind of – there were a lot of Tennessee teams and a lot of sports over the years that just do not win that game. They just 
they do not find a way to get off the dirt and dust themselves off and go win. And this team has a way, for the most part, of finding ways to go do that. And it, it, you can't play that poorly every night and expect to win because you because you just won't. But sometimes you're going to play like that, no matter who you are, and you have to get through it. And I was really impressed by sort of some championship grit and metal from the team in that game. Now, if it's in Coleman, probably doesn't go that way, but it was at home. You had the crowd behind you. You had a great six-man, just a wonderful environment again, uh, criminally underrated Thompson Bowling, just a great place to, for college basketball. And they, they found a way to go do it. Now the question is, will they be able to look at that mm-hmm. and, and say, okay, got away with this one, did some good things, found a way to win, which is important, which is important. But look at it now and say, this is exactly why it didn't go right. Was it just a bad day? Because we saw in the half-court offense – they just got a little stagnant. Uh, and it was little things. Like, it started with the first possession of the game when Admiral Schofield goes down and a Jordan Bone hits him right in stride with the pass they throw 30 times a game, hits him right in the side because he's not looking for it and it goes out of bounds. And there were plays, because their offense, it looks like it's a lot of high-efficiency passes, but they're not really. They're high-efficiency only because these guys are so well-drilled. They get to their spots. And the point guards throw a lot of blind passes to spots where guys should be, and they expect them to be there. And there were times that the point guards just weren't steady with the ball. The catches from the wings and the big man, uh, big men were not clean. Uh, there were some guys that were having to catch passes instead of in their chest. They were up above them. They were down low. They were behind them. It's just one of those games where, like, a quarterback's not throwing the ball where it needs to be thrown or the receivers aren't getting out of their breaks. Just they had no rhythm at all. And it's so hard to do what they do. If you try to play any offense without a rhythm, that's tough. But if you play a dribble drive without rhythm, you can still have a guy go make a play. When you're playing like a flex motion type offense with all that movement, Mm -hmm. if you're not on your game, you're going to look terrible. because that And that maybe is why Rick has a hard time playing some younger guys in situations because they don't know the offense. They don't know the, the system. And... It just was one of those days where nothing was going right. Now, was that just a bad day? Or was that a team taking some steps backward or, you know, taking something for granted, taking its foot off the gas? Is there any way we can know right now what that was? Uh, You'll know at Vanderbilt, and you'll know uh, West Virginia at home, and then uh, into next week at South Carolina, those type of games. Uh, The law of averages says – They've played, what, 17, and they've had those kind of nights probably twice. Georgia Tech and Alabama were pretty rough offensive nights. I think that was their offense uh, on a bad night. Um, The law of averages also says they've done it 15 times where they've been really highly efficient offensively, a really one of the best offensive teams, the best offensive team in the league, one of the best offensive teams in the country. Yeah, still second nationally in efficiency. Right, right. So I, I think when you look at it like that, that's kind of, I don't think it's a step back. Uh, uh, I don't think they're moving the wrong direction. I think it's just a bad night at the office. I think you can also point back to it's a good comparison to the Georgia game uh, last year because that's the season finale. They were pretty – they were rolling right along at that point. They had won the last, you know, five or six games to to kind of stay in that uh, battle for the – battle with Auburn for the the SEC regular season title. 
Uh, if you go back to Arkansas on the road, the first SEC game last year, they couldn't find a way to win that one. You go back to the Auburn game at home, the SEC home opener that followed that Arkansas game, they couldn't find a way to win that one. So I think if you look at year-over-year progress from this time last year, early in the SEC season, I don't know if they find a way to win that game uh, the way they did Saturday uh, against Alabama. So I think that's progress, but uh, I, don't, I don't think if, – if this happens for a week, two weeks, sure – it's time to, to time to be concerned what's wrong with this offense and what's going on. But but happening one night, it's just happening one night. Yeah, and I, I guess that's why coaches, as soon as they see bad habits start developing, I guess that's what makes them coaches. Because, you know, Rick was furious after that game in Arkansas because of the second half. They got outscored in the second half. And it's almost like he kept the starters out there a little bit longer as punishment. You know, I know that's some part, partly what Rick does, but they just – he did not like the rhythm. He did not like anything almost that he saw in the second half, at least defensively in that game. Mm-hmm. And and we're sitting there going, Rick, what are you doing? You won by 20 points. This game was never in doubt. Why are you worried about this? Well, then they go out and they play the second half against Alabama, the worst I've seen them play in a couple of years. And so maybe that's why. Maybe he said, you know what, with these guys, the second that they slip up a little bit, they go back to being average. And is right. that ever going to be good enough for this team? And the answer is probably not. Uh, this team, if it's going to go out there and, and play like slop, it's a ranked team, but not an elite team if it goes out there and plays like slop. Because no matter what, there's going to be times where they can dump the ball into to two and five and they're going to make plays and, and you're going to be okay. And, and, and that just is what it is. But if this team, for this team to be what it is and what it wants to be, it's got to be bigger than the sum of the parts and it's got to be – that sort of ten-headed monster that it is when it's when it's moving along, and that's probably why he gets as upset as he does. I'm guessing. I'm, I'm just throwing mm-hmm. that out there, but I think that's fair to say. What's good about that game, in addition to finding a way to win it, is that Tennessee. Um, there were a lot of times in that game where the offense went into a funk, and the defense made at least enough plays down the stretch to keep it close. Um, got a couple of big calls down the stretch. Uh, that was a gutsy traveling call, a gutsy call, but the right call. But I was a, stunned. But a call that you just almost never see made in that situation. And, you know, maybe Tennessee bodies him up anyway and he misses the shot at that point. Uh, Petty, as great as he was, he hadn't scored since the 940 mark, so maybe. Credit you, to those defensive stops you're talking about. Yeah, I mean, you know. Adjustments. The, yeah, they, they tightened up some things, and I think a lot of it was they put Bowden on him. But right. I think that was a big part of it. Um, but, you know, I, I think they do – did they sort of, when they needed it down the stretch in that game, because you had a couple of I – didn't, I didn't like the call uh, on Grant Williams underneath the bucket. I thought that was a bad call. Uh, the one, though, the Dante Hall charge, that mm-hmm. was 100% a charge. Right. That was the right call. Dipped the shoulder. I mean, that was the, the – I mean, maybe he sold it, but that, that doesn't mean it's not a foul. It was clearly a charge, uh, in my opinion. But you, you look at the way that that team, when it needed defensive stops again, it did what it started doing for a lot of last season, was that the offense was okay at times, sometimes really good and sometimes just okay, but the defense was usually really, really good. And that allowed them to get out and run and get some buckets, and it allowed them to sort of just get the identity of who they were. And and was that a good reminder for this team that, you know, don't forget where you came from. When you needed it, it was there, but that needs to be who you are. 
Or do you look at it and say the offense has been so good all season that it is what it is and it's going to be pretty good? I mean, there's a lot of ways you can unpack it. But if you're Rick Barnes, I think maybe two good things you learned from that game are, one, uh, your team can, can make those pressure plays when it's not performing well offensively. And two, sometimes now when it needs a stop, it can go get that stop again. So those are good things that came from a bad day. But do you think the way that Tennessee won that game can open the guy's eyes back up to the way they need to play on defense? Of course. I think Rick was a lot more frustrated after the Arkansas win uh, when they still were up by 30 and still won by 19. Uh, He was more frustrated by that second half and giving up 53 points than he was uh, uh, with the Alabama performance. I thought he was – uh, I was expecting him to not be as to be a little bit more down over that performance. He seemed pretty upbeat. It seemed like he wanted his team to kind of have that test because it's been a while. Uh, they were tested like that, obviously, in the second half against Gonzaga. That's a that was the number one team at the time. That's that's obviously going to be a test, and they passed it. Uh, Admiral, you know, doing what he did. Uh, they were tested like that against Kansas. Didn't pass it. They were up nine in that game, second half. Yep. Uh, Grant Williams fouls out late, goes to overtime. They can't find enough scoring in overtime. So it's it's been a while. Everything else has been double digit wins. Uh, so it's been a while since they've been tested, and I thought he was more upbeat because of that, because that can kind of reset your focus on really how quickly stuff can disappear, how how quickly this stuff can get away from you. Uh, and now I think it's a matter of uh, not only do you have to find an answer and and kind of get back to what you were doing before uh, offensively and and try to be better defensively, like he keeps talking about. But you have to do it with that number one ranking uh, next to your name, and that's a different animal. Uh, it's different. It's so much different than when you're number three in the country and you're a feel-good story uh, and people are talking about how great you are. When you're number one, it's people are aiming for you, trying to take you down, trying to pick you apart, why you shouldn't be number one. Uh, Bryce Drew went on Nashville radio yesterday and said, you know, it's a special opportunity because you don't get number one uh, in your gym, on your floor, all that often. I mean, these are games that people circle, so... Now not only do you need to respond to the way you played against Alabama and prove that's kind of not who you're becoming, you have to do so with a ton of attention. And it's fortunate that they get a struggling Vanderbilt team that's 0-5 in SEC play. They get a a West Virginia team that uh, on Saturday that started 0-5 in Big 12 play, uh, surprisingly beat number 7 Kansas at home. And then beat Kansas just because. And then got handled last night at home by Baylor. I mean, they were down 17 in the second half, something like that. I don't know what the final score was. But, I mean, that's that's fortunate that you – they can kind of wade into these waters a little bit. You don't have to dive head first into uh, – you're not going to Rupp with his number one ranking or something like that. You're going to Vanderbilt, and, and maybe it's a game you can win and maybe you can kind of get comfortable with it and, and find those answers. Yeah, because this Vanderbilt team, I mean, I don't want to say it's a misleading 0-5 because it's not. I mean, 0-5 is 0-5. That's not, uh, that's not random. That's a trend. But you look at those games, I don't know how many of them are truly embarrassing performances. Uh, the loss at Georgia – by 19 certainly was probably the the embarrassing one in there uh, lost to uh, Ole Miss at home by 10 points Ole Miss is a ranked team that's not terrible uh, played I thought admirably in Lexington in a 56-47 loss and and maybe were slowest, slowest game ever yeah but they played well they 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 did what they needed to do to give themselves a chance to win without Garland they were able to kind of slow down tempo and really Kentucky got a couple breaks down the stretch that that really helped them in that game uh, lost to South Carolina at home by three. That's not a good loss necessarily, but I, it, it's it's an okay, you know, that that's not the end of the world. Uh, then Mississippi State on Saturday, I watched a good portion of that game, just were absolutely just 
gross for the yeah. for most of the first half. I mean, they were stuck there on five points forever in the first half. Uh, got a couple of uh, threes down the stretch in the first half, cut that lead down to, I think, single digits. And then in the second half, just weren't able to get it going. Lost 71 to 55 the, to a ranked Mississippi State team. But, but still, I mean, you lose by home. You lose by 16 at home. That's not good. The positives that you took away from the way they played at Kentucky – and the way they should have beat South Carolina, a South Carolina team that's really hard to figure out, and five hundred under five hundred in uh, non-conference play, and now they're what four and oh, five and zero oh in SEC. Yeah, they're play. doing. I I call that uh, pulling an Ole Miss. That's what that is. Well, okay, they're pulling an Ole Miss, and and they they should you have said lost that dismissively. At Did you not like the no, way I no, said I that? No, I agree. I agree. Uh, the Ole Miss, I guess, of the past, maybe. Yeah, uh, Andy b- Kennedy's Ole Miss the, teams, not the non-Kermit years. Yeah, Kermit's doing the thing. But man, yeah, they looked uh, they looked dead on their feet Saturday. They just looked uh, I don't know disinterested or I, I don't I don't know what the phrase is a way to put it, but it was ugly. Yeah, and and this team does have some pieces. I mean, it's got you know uh, uh, she too's a great player, a great prospect anyway. Just with six ten guys, so much talent. Uh, Saban Lee's another was another big time prospect, a guy who uh, is playing point guard now. He's more of a combo slash shooting guard, but he's playing point right now because they need to, need him to. Um, and, and they got a couple other guys. I mean, they've got some players, including some guys who have given Tennessee uh, some trouble in the past. So, and, and I think in a game like this, I really don't like the whole, oh, it's a rivalry game, so throw all the stuff out the window. Uh, but, but Tennessee has had some times where it lost to a clearly inferior Vanderbilt team in that building. So there is a history there of that place you know, they call it Memorial Magic. I know Tennessee fans hate that, but that's what it's called, and it, it, they call it that for a reason because they've had some big wins there over the years. Um, but I do think that what's normally an advantage for Vanderbilt, the unique court setup there, you know, the the strange, the guys that are on the end lines instead of the mm-hmm. baseline. This Tennessee team has played there every season, and it's got so many veterans there. I mean, this will be Schofield's fourth game in there, Williams and Bone Bowden their third you know, Kyle Alexander, his fourth. It'll be the fourth time Turner's been in a team that played in that building three times he's actually played. So th- this shouldn't throw them off in no, that way. I mean, I don't I don't think – I think that that is what maybe makes you feel pretty good as a Tennessee fan about going into you this should, game. You should feel good because Grant dropped 37 there last year and mm-hmm. Admiral scored 22 in his shadow. I mean, you, to get 59 from those two. Yeah, and two years ago. And two years ago, Jordan Bone was a, a freshman and he went in there and scored 53 as a, as a Nashville kid. Uh, kind of having a, a pretty cool homecoming moment. Um, the 37 points uh, last year for Grant Williams. What was the kid's name who was guarding him down in the post? He ended oh, up transferring. Oh, that poor kid. Yeah, he, uh, the, the, yeah I think he was um, I think uh, the big African kid, wasn't he? I can't remember his name, but Grant, the, just the moves. Grant, that Grant just, just Grant took him, had him to, I mean, he. he moved that, him around and pump faked him and footworked him. And yeah. It was just crazy. That was a lot of human that he was moving around, but he was moving it around uh, effortlessly. Yeah. So, yeah. The, so they should be, long story short, uh, good memories, comfort in that building. Yeah, and, and you know, I, I think that now they're playing, as you said, with that target on their back now. And, and I think we, before we get out of here, we, I think we need to mention this, that I, I look at it as, you know, maybe you've heard this metaphor before. It's a ladder, one step at a time. I don't want to kind of sound like a Hallmark card. But, you know, there's levels, right? There's you're a ranked team. Then there's the top 10 level of a ranking, some people say 15 is different from top 25. I don't know. Really, to me, it goes ranked team is a level. Then there's the top 10 level. Then there's the top five level. Then there's the number one level. 
And with every step you take on that ladder, you get more eyeballs, you get more attention, you get more scrutiny, you get more people pulling you apart, you get more people saying, are they really that good? Are they? Because we kind of live in this embrace debate era where everyone's got to have discussions on everything and everyone has to pick teams apart and everyone has to say, well, maybe, you know, we're, we're, we get a little jaded as a culture where people say, are they really that good? And there are going to be people who are going to look at the teams that are ranked just behind Tennessee and they're going to assume that those teams are better than Tennessee and that Tennessee does not belong in that spot because what has Tennessee done historically? So you are going to get a lot of the Blue Bloods who are not going to be happy about an outsider being in that spot. You're going to have a lot of criticism. You're going to deal with a lot of stuff. And every time you go on the road, you are going to be, it's an event now. It is a circus when you go anywhere. You are an appointment. Yes. Programming. You are people who are not even necessarily hardcore college basketball fans, just casual sports fans are now going to tune in. And now if you watch all those shows on ESPN and FS1 throughout the day, you know, CBS Sports Network, all, you know, all of them, all day long now, Tennessee is going to be a topic. Every game's going to have extended sports center highlights. Every right. game is going to have more analysis, more right. studio analysis, more film breakdown, and people are going to start picking you apart, and people are going to start saying, well, are they really that good, or yada, 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 because it's going to happen. No matter how well Tennessee plays, that's going to happen. And there is an attention that comes on you. There is a level of scrutiny that comes on you where – I'd, I'd like to think, and I wrote a column about this for, for Tuesday afternoon, we'd like to think that you could live in a world where people just ignore this stuff, but um, millennials and, 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 and younger folks cannot really do that. They live on their phones when they're not doing, you know, if these guys aren't playing basketball, they're probably looking at a screen somewhere doing something. That's probably what they're doing. Yep. They're going to be all over social media. They're going to see this stuff. They're going to have friends texting them. They're going to have friends like from high school uh, geometry class who hadn't talked to him in forever, and they're going to text him and say, hey, congrats, y'all are great, yada, yada. Old teachers texting you. And then you're going to have people talking about how bad you are, and you're going to have people hating you on social media. You are going to be in a cauldron for every second you occupy the number one spot. And we'd like to think you could ignore that, but, but you can't. So now you have two options and only two options. You can either embrace it and you can wrap yourself around it and you can embrace that hate. You can embrace that skepticism. You can use it as fuel to motivate you. That's option one or option two, you can cower before it. And last time Tennessee became number one, now, I think that's a little bit different. Different team, different circumstances. Because that was a good Vanderbilt team, and Tennessee had just played an emotional circus of a game, one versus two, huge game. On the road. On the road at Memphis. I mean, you had random outlets all over the country and world that were, you know, you had Dane Bradshaw saying people in Europe, were t people in, in Holland were talking to him about that game leading up to it. I mean, just, just a big, big, big week. And then a couple days after that, you have to go play your oldest and maybe most hated rival on the road in their building, and they get to play you as number one. So this is a different situation. Nonetheless, last time Tennessee went number one, there was the great quote, legendary epic quote by uh, former Tennessee uh, associate head coach, current East Tennessee State head coach, Steve Forbes, who said that uh, doses of Viagra lasted longer than Tennessee's number one <laughs> ranking. And first off, that that's just unbelievable quote. One of the best quotes I've ever heard. And also true. And 
how will this team handle it? Because we've seen this team, for the most part, for the past couple years, be able to handle just about anything that comes its way. Now, it lost Kyle Alexander in the tournament and ran into the Cinderella of all Cinderellas, basically. <laughs> you know, I, you know, George Shout Mason. Shout out, Sister Jean. Yeah, George Mason back in the day, you know, also was, was around that level. But, but you had Loyola and just an unbelievable story. But with Kyle Alexander, I think Tennessee wins that game pretty comfortably because that just would have shut down a lot of the stuff that 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 Loyola and Sister Jean wanted to do. A lot of the stuff at the rim do. that they were able to do. Yeah. So if you take that away, this team has mostly taken on all comers in the past couple of years. And they've not won every game, but they've gone out there and represented themselves pretty well. Now, in this environment, how will they handle this added level of stress and scrutiny and I think it is completely and utterly and incredibly fascinating. And I'm looking forward to seeing how they handle it. It is. And first of all, they're not going to stay number one through March 9th Gosh, no. at Auburn. Losses are going to happen. They're not going to run the table in the SEC. They might even lose the spot and then come back to it. Right. The league's too deep. They're going to lose. They're going to drop a little bit. It's not going to be LSU a big deal. looks great. We need to talk about it's that. It's a big deal when you get to number one for a program like Tennessee that's only done it once. It's something to – celebrate for a minute or, or just to enjoy the moment for a second and then keep working, that, that's fine. But they're, they're going to lose at some point. Uh, what I think works in their favor is the schedule. We talked about Vanderbilt and West Virginia. Those are two games you can ease into a little bit with that ranking. I think what also helps them is they've never, this group, since they kind of turned the corner early last season, they've never really kind of got lost in the moment. Um, they went to uh, the Bahamas and beat Purdue uh, had a really good first half against Villanova, didn't have a good second half, lost that game, beat North Carolina State the next day. That's kind of when they started getting people's attention. They got ranked in December, first time in eight years. That was a big deal for them. Uh, they never left those rankings. Uh, they they had their ups and downs from there. They won a lot of games. They lost a few games, but they stayed in the top 25, which is a big deal for a program when you haven't been ranked for a while. Uh, they finished 13th which was the highest they had been ranked all season. I think that's a good sign that you kept stepping up, kept stepping forward and, and doing what you needed to do. You, know, you talked about the NCAA tournament. Obviously, that's not the, the situation they wanted to play out. Uh, I do agree that if they have Kyle Alexander, maybe it plays out differently. You look at the SEC tournament, they lived up to the expectations in there. I mean, they got to a title game for the first time in, what, a decade? Yeah. Beat a good Arkansas team to get there, a team that had beat them before. It's really hard to win the Kentucky Invitational when it's basically a Kentucky road game. Yeah. What works in their favor, obviously, is it's back. Be, be it's, interested to see when it's in Nashville. It's this back season. in Nashville this season. So if that played out again, that would be uh, really interesting. But but you're gonna have some bidding wars for tickets from Tennessee right, Kentucky fans right. on that one. Long story short, it feels like they've answered kind of the bell in these situations, dating back to the start of last season, which is when this group really started to kind of turn heads, get attention as a good basketball program that was trending in the right direction. So I, I do think they'll handle it well. I think they'll. I don't know how long they'll stay number one. I do think they'll drop later on after they, they, uh, they're not going to run the table or even come close, I don't think, to run the table. The SEC's too good. The last seven games are too tough when you have the two Kentucky games at LSU, at Ole Miss, home against Mississippi State, at Auburn to end the season. Uh, so enjoy it while it lasts and, and see where they go from here. But it's, it's, it should be fun. Yeah, because, you know, those, those, those top ten ACC teams are probably going to keep beating each other. So, yeah. so that that'll happen. But the you know the Big Ten after Michigan and Michigan State, you got maybe Maryland. You got a couple of teams. Ohio State's kind of going in the wrong direction. So not not a lot there in that league. 
and not as much as normal anyway. Uh, but those ACC teams will keep beating each other, and then you know that Gonzaga is going to keep running the table in that league like it usually does, so they're right. not going anywhere. Uh, it, it's going to be – and then Nevada, you know, if it, if it keeps having not only only that one loss, you know, where, where does it get in there into the mix? Uh, and, and what I think is interesting, and I don't want to talk about this much because I will have more weeks in the future to talk about this team – but I think what's going on in Baton Rouge is something everyone in the SEC needs to be paying attention to uh, because that team, like Tennessee, looks to be a little bit ahead of schedule. Right. And, uh, but feels, feels kind of similar, even though – Even though LSU's got some high – some touted players. Right. As I was going to say, Rick Barnes and Will Wade operate different kind of approach to yes. how they're trying to build their program. But regardless, they kind of remind you of – a Tennessee a year ago. And LSU also has a freshman named Emmett Williams, who in addition to being a good basketball player, uh, wears the shortest shorts that I think I've ever seen a human being wear on a, on a court. And be warned, if you're going to be watching LSU play from now on, <laughs> just watch. Just hope you don't see a wardrobe malfunction because those shorts are – I think they have to go with the 15-second broadcast delay. Yeah. Make sure nothing happens. I mean, it, that, that's like um, – let's put it this way. In Catholic schools, uh, you would not be getting away with uh, wearing that. The nuns would be taking out the ruler and going, uh, no, you need to lengthen those a little bit. So – uh, but bottom line is that that LSU team uh, is coming and it looks good because Ole Miss is a good story and a good team and Kermit's a great coach. He always has been. Uh, but that team's got its limitations and I think we know that that it's going to be fighting. It's going to be in there. It's going to be physical like Ole Miss teams usually are, but there might be a cap on that team. Um, you know, Maybe that's not fair to say, but it kind of looks like there is. But that, that team in Baton Rouge, uh, if it stays healthy – Man, that team, it's young, but it's got some good players on it. And and I know that Kentucky, this is like the quietest I've ever seen Kentucky with only two or three losses at this point in the season. It's almost like people just keep forgetting that Kentucky's there because everyone's talking about Tennessee and the SEC. People are talking about Ole Miss being a surprise and Mississippi State kind of clinging on to the rankings there. And then you're talking about LSU and, and what what they're doing. And Kentucky is just it's never under the radar, but it's kind of almost under the radar for a Kentucky team that's only got a couple, two or three losses this time of year um, because that team is it has some players. It's not one of Cal's best teams, but uh, it's got a lot of really good players on it. And uh, if you think that the Kentucky is just going to kind of go away in this league, you're, you're fooling yourself because that team uh, looks to be playing better, and we know that Cal usually gets his teams where he needs them toward the tail end of the season. Say what you will about him, but you cannot deny – that his teams usually look better at the end of the season than they do at the beginning of it. And this is going to be a fun league. We thought it was going to be a fun league, and now it looks like we're going to get one. And if you think Tennessee is just going to run away from the entire league and no. you know bludgeon it, I just don't see that happening. Could be wrong, but I don't see that happening. I don't think I'm alone there. No, it's uh, – it's, I'm really interested to see how they handle the next, I think, seven games. Maybe it's six now after Alabama – uh, how many games do they have left? They've played 17, so they've got 14 left. I guess it's seven and seven. I'm really interested to see how they handle these last, these next seven games, uh, and then at that point in time, where they are heading into that stretch of last seven games on the season, uh, on the regular season schedule, where those t- uh, five teams that are ranked now, where they are at that point in time, because uh, there's going to be some, there's going to be some bloodbaths on that final stretch. Uh, having Kentucky twice in two weeks that late in the season is really interesting. Uh, it's a really good tune-up for postseason play, obviously, but uh, this team's going to be tested. I'll tell you what, though. I'll tell you what, though. If Jordan Bowden really has turned the corner and he really is going to be a force now, that adds another completely complicated layer to anyone trying to beat Tennessee because right. now you've got 
legitimately six guys going into a game who could drop 20 on you. Yeah, and, and that's what I was going to say. Bowden's not the only guy. Kyle, uh, Alexander, the, what he's done this season, all season, and Jordan Bone. And, and Lamonte Turner now is getting back to what he was last season. So uh, there's a lot of different moving pieces that you got to be worried about. Have I left anything out, Grant? Is there anything you'd like to discuss? Uh, Conzo Martin, this is a really funny uh, quote on the Twitter machine. Uh, he was talking. I guess they play Arkansas next. He's talking about Mike Anderson. He said, "I think Mike Anderson will turn this Arkansas team around. The only thing I don't think he can overcome is the experience." And then said, "Quote: Only God can make a kid go from 18 to 21." So that's it. That is a great quote. Good job, Conzo. That is a really good quote. Philosophical, right there. Would you call that? All right, all right. <laughs> some, that's some philosophizing. Everybody said. Of course, we, we uh, and I've said going into this whole week that, you know what, this is about Rick Barnes and his team now. It's not about Conzo Martin or Bruce Pearl or Donnie Tendall or anybody else, but that Conzo Martin quote was so good that we had to mention at least one of those names on this podcast. And by the way, during that whole time we were talking about the SEC teams, again, what were we doing? Not talking about Auburn. We didn't bring up that name. And that I know, I know Wiley's out for a couple weeks. But uh, that team's still really good, and it's going to be right there it's, with. It's it's because it feels like Tennessee has like three more years before they even play Auburn because it's the final day of the season, and so much changes between now and then. It also seems like I've I've had this thought in the back of my mind all season that that people are not talking enough about Auburn, and that's ex- exactly where Bruce wants them to be, right. and look out toward the end of the season if Wiley when Wiley gets back. But we shall see. Thanks for tuning in, guys. We'll be back same time. Uh, ish next week we'll probably have a football podcast on friday as we normally do we'll have plenty to discuss there with recruiting and the coaching staff and all that uh, until then you can find us on social media i'm west rucker 24 7 on twitter grant ramey's grant ramey on twitter patrick brown's p brown 24 7 on twitter ryan callahan is ryan callahan 24 7 on twitter you can also find all of us on twitter at twitter.com slash go 24 7 that's the staff account never know who's going to be dropping notes to you on that account uh, you can also go to facebook.com slash go 24 7 facebook.com slash go 24 7 you can get plenty of good information there uh, and if you just want to go straight to the source drink straight from the hose go to go 24 7.com got plenty of stuff to talk about going into football signing day uh, the march towards uh, what looks like a really big season for the tennessee basketball team uh, the struggles of the lady vols which are unbelievable lost five straight games that's just crazy to think about lead up to baseball season got all kinds of stuff uh, to discuss and before we get out of here i will add one more thing guys if you're listening to this podcast go rate it whether it's you're on apple podcasts whether you're on you know spotify stitcher google play uh, iHeartRadio, wherever you are we're on all of those platforms but go there rate us in there because i'm telling you i can see the numbers of people listening to the podcast every week and they're great But uh, we need more people rating the experience so we can have even more people go find the podcast. So uh, don't do it for us. Do it for other people who you think should be able to join our family and listen to the mediocrity that is us. Thanks for tuning in, guys. We will be back later this week. Grant, do you have any final thoughts? I thrive in mediocrity. Mediocrity. I, I waller in it.